Okay, hang on. Let me say start streaming. Wait a couple seconds and then you can go, okay? Right, yep. Start streaming. Welcome to another lecture presented by the Syracuse class. This is a school and not a church. And not a church and neither are we affiliated with any religious organizations. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of the eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in 1958, and since that time, we have established branch schools throughout the United States and other foreign countries. The Syracuse branch was established in 1969. This time, I would like to introduce to you the Dean of the Syracuse branch, Dr. Patrick Trevison. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of the physical body is Yahshua Messiah. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good uh, dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a J in the English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, therefore making such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible and untrue renderings of the true and original name of the Father and His Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Now Yahweh, our Heavenly Father, is pure spirit. And in this state, He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in His pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize Himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son a superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions 
and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of his name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof how that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. In this school, we have 10 primary constitutional aims or objectives. They are as follows. First is to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, <clears throat> excuse me, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua Messiah. Tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the newer state. Our watch for this peace and our slogan is speak the truth like to have this evening's meeting de dedicated with a prayer uh, um, by uh, Dr. Deb Kometi. That'll be followed by a scripture reading, which is Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Our scripture readers this evening are uh, Dr. Kathy Hules and Dr. Linda Volpe. Good evening, everybody. Let's all take a minute and bow our hearts and our minds to our Heavenly Father. Yahweh through the Savior, Yahshua, and we are happy and glad to be here and to spend these two hours 
just meditating and learning and growing in the spirit and hearing the joy of the gospel, the good news that Yahshua has saved our souls and redeemed us. And we're just happy and glad to be here. Just happy and glad that brethren are still together and still joyous and still want to be here and have a heart for the truth. So thank you, Yahshua, for all the blessings. Let us all say hallelujah. Scripture reading is Hebrews, the 12th chapter. I'll be reading from a King James version of the Bible, inserting the true and correct names where necessary. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Yahshua, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of Yahweh. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest you be wearied and faint in your in your minds. You have not resisted unto blood striving against sin. And you have forgotten it, the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of Yahweh, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom Yahweh loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastising, Yahweh dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, wherefore all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much... Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see Yahshua. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of Yahweh, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For you are not come unto the mount that 
might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they heard and treated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living Elohim, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the generally, general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to Yahweh, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Yahshua, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if, if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve Yahweh acceptably with reverence and holy fear, for our Elohim is a consuming fire. That's Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Thank Hallelujah. you, Dr. Kermati and Dr. Hules. And our first speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Daryl Hughes. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and always wonderful to be with the brethren. Happy to have uh, you. Thank you. <laughs> um, this is a wonderful chapter. and There's so much in it. Um, I'm going to just start off with the reading the first verse of Hebrews. 12. Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Now, this is, and let this, us is, this is starting off right away with it's actually continuing from the previous chapter. Um, let, let's go to 11 and 1. 11 and 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. She says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Talks about substance and evidence. Keep going in that for a minute. I'm just going to read a few, little bit of that. For by it, the elders received witness. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of Yahweh, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto Yahweh a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, Yahweh Elohim testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. 
by faith. It, you know. Yeah, that, that's good. We're not, I don't want to go through the whole chapter. It starts okay. off by talking about what faith is, and it talks about uh, substance and evidence, and then it's giving witnesses. And that whole chapter goes through giving witness after witness. Um, and, and this is so important. And we really, in this day and age, with everything that's done from a lack of witnesses, is uh, it's just sad to watch this world. Like people believe anything. We live in an age of, of information we've lived in because of the internet. The problem with it is anybody can put anything on the internet. Um, a lot of people aren't aware. Um, I use Wikipedia, but anybody could edit Wikipedia. I could go on Wikipedia's site and I could add things to it, change things in it. They have people that monitor it, but it, there's just so much information on there. And, and having a lot of information is useless unless you know how to discern what's real and what isn't real. See, and it's so important for us to be able to do that. Uh, you know, Dr. Dr. Kinley, I love the words of wisdom. I'm not going to get that now, but he talked about examining things and really, you know, checking things. We're supposed to check things out, say. We're not supposed to just accept something because somebody says it. And so many people are doing that in the world right now. But we need witnesses. Uh, give me Deuteronomy 19 and 15 and Matthew 18 and 6. Deuteronomy 19.15. One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin and any sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. That's right. And Matthew repeats that. I, 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 actually, we don't have to get it. Matthew's telling us the same thing. See, in the mouths of two or three witnesses, say, um, just saying something is enough. We need to check it. See, Dr. Kinley said uh, when he told when he came well, of all the things that hit me, uh, the first thing that really hit me when I came into class was to make me prove it until you're satisfied. See, he said, make me prove it until you're satisfied. And that's not something that I ever heard anywhere else when anybody talked about God or any religion. And I've been through a lot of religions say and they don't understand anything um and they don't have any witnesses to back up everything say um uh give me first thessalonians 5 and 21 we want to know this for a certainty and i was you know I, everybody here knows or most people here know that i was in the seminary um and it's 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 insane the ignorance, uh, get me first Thessalonians five and 21 and then get me, uh, Romans, um, what do I want? Romans 10. I think it first is. Thessalonians five twenty one. prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. See, prove all things. It says, i uh, give me Romans 10. Start at one. Romans 10, one. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to Yahweh for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for Yahweh, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of Yahweh's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Yahweh. 
Yeah, for, see, now, they, they being ignorant of his righteousness, went about to establish their own righteousness, say. And that's that's exactly what's happened in the whole world, because the whole world has been ignorant, except where Yahshua has shown people anything, say. And and um, Dr. Kinley came in and he said, make me prove this to you're satisfied. And and then there's as many doctrines as there are people um, that that want to think about God. There's just as many doctrines. Um, I was in a seminary. I went to Colgate, um, Rochester Colgate Divinity School. Um, it was a merger of a number of schools. Um, and in order to be uh, a preacher, oh man, in order to be a minister in a church, and especially in the churches that are established, they have pretty strict guidelines. You have to, first off, you have to get a master's of divinity, whatever that means to have a master's of divinity. <laughs> and then in, in, uh, in order to even start doing that, you're, you're working to be ordained. And the first step in that is to be called. You have to be called, and and they don't, you know. And I remember that experience because I think about it. it it's not. It's, there's no scripture behind any of the things they do. You have to be called. There's scriptures, but they got them all screwed up. Let me put it that way. I remember being called. Well, being called like is a, in a church is is sort of believing that God wants you to do that. I mean that that's that's what being called is like. So I was raised about, my family was very religious. I mean, to the point of we periodically had Bibles, home Bible studies, not went to Bible study. We did that too, but we actually read the Bible in our home and we prayed and we talked about God. Um, I won't say it was a consistent thing because we'd all get distracted because we were just like every other kid. Um, but I was involved in the, in the, uh, the, the youth group. And I was the president of the youth group, and I gave my first sermon when I was probably about 16 or 17, uh, when they had a youth Sunday. Um, and I had a minister, an ordained minister on my mother's side, and I had an ordained minister on my father's side, both in the same denomination. And they both, and uh, and by the time I was going into college, the first college I went to was uh, a Houghton, which is a Bible college for undergrad. I ended up switching. I didn't go all the way through. Um, but I was in the church, and I thought I was called. And what I had to do is I was born in Buffalo, in Western New York, and raised there. And so when I thought that I should be a minister, which you had to go to the I had to I had to meet with the the person that was the head of my denomination over all of Western New York, and sort of um, sort of uh, defend why I believed I was called. And to be honest with you, there was no substance to it. There was no substance or witness to any of it. See, Dr. Kinley, he he gave proof to everything that he said, but there was no proof or witnesses, see? And, and the whole system was just a farce. People didn't know what they were doing. Um, the classes were ridiculous uh, because there were so many denominations, and this wasn't no little school. It's, it's a fairly respected school. Of divinity, it actually, it was a merger. One of the colleges that were involved in that merger was one of the schools that uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. went to. Actually, I think it was originally in Pennsylvania, but they ended up merging. Um, and and um, it was also right next to a Catholic school, and it was very ex ec ecumenical. And we took courses across both. And you would go to classes, and everybody taught different things. Say, people taught different things because they didn't know. 
everybody was making up their own righteousness, saying, we don't want to do this. We need to have witnesses. We need to prove all things, see? And they couldn't prove anything. The only classes that were somewhat based on uh, some facts were taken specifically languages like Hebrew and Greek or like the history. There was a history of the church, which wasn't all accurate either, but there was some accuracy in that. Um, even some of that was made up. And they don't, you know, and and um, and they would argue in classes <laughs> about everything because nobody, people didn't believe this. Everything was the same. Like the Catholic Church believes in in transubstantiation, which which is the belief that that wafer bread and that wine actually turn into the blood and body of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Um, uh, Luther, when he split from the Catholic Church, he's one of the the first people that switched that to what they call consubstantiation. Now, mind you, that was also a magical thing. But he, they didn't believe it actually turned into the blood and body of Christ. But they did believe that somehow con means with. Um, so they believe like transubstantiation means it turned into the, the substance, substantiation. Consubstantiation, they believe that it was it was still bread and wine, but it, somehow there was magically also Jesus Christ's blood and body in it. So they just sort of make each other, and they just keep making up new things because none of them understand it and none of them get it. Um, they don't have a clue. Um, and I, I know that, like, <laughs> and, and even me being in my church, I didn't understand anything. Um, but my church was somewhat of a liberal denomination and I hung out with Pentecost and I've told this story before, but it just, it just always still floors me. Uh, one day I, 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 while I was in college, this is when I was in the Bible college, I was hanging out with this Pentecost and I had to have surgery. I believe it was for, uh, I can't, I think it might've been for a hernia. I had three surgeries in a year. Um, and I was, I had was scheduled to have the surgery and I was visiting this Pentecostal friend of mine. And he said, he told me, well, if you have faith, you shouldn't need to have the surgery. Now, being the liberal Christian that I was, I didn't buy that because I had my own set of beliefs. And I said, well, I, I believe that God gave the doctors the knowledge to be able to deal with this, and I'm going to go to the doctor and get my surgery done. And so he says to me, he says, oh, well, please, well, let me, can I at least um, lay my hands on you and pray? And I sort of rolled my eyes, um, but said, sure, go ahead. And then he said, well, do you mind if I anoint you with oil? And I rolled my eyes more. He knew I was rolling my eyes because I wasn't a Pentecost. I wasn't say, I'm not saying I didn't do anything better. But I rolled my but I said, yeah, sure. So he goes out of the room and he comes back in and he says, this is a true story. He says, I'm sorry, I don't have any oil. Do you mind if I use margarine? <laughs> and the dude took my, his finger and dipped it in the margarine and put it on my head while he said a prayer. Now, look at the surgery went well, and he probably believes it went well because he anointed me with margarine and prayed for me, see, because everybody creates their own idea. And I have to say this all the time. When I was, when you're in seminary, if you go to seminary for um, a, a master's in divinity, you're going to take Hebrew and you're going to take Greek. And when you take Hebrew, you learn about the name and the title. You read out of that book, and you read Yahweh, you read Elohim, 
if any minister that has any credit of going to a college knows that the name Yahweh is in there and it's all over that book, see, and they and they know it, see, um, but but again they say it doesn't, you know they, and so did I. I'm not putting anybody down. I was in the same place. Um, I remember some Jehovah Witnesses came uh, to my house, and you know I like to argue even back then. So I I gladly invited them in, and uh, you know they started preaching and got to to Jehovah, and I said, well, if you want to use the correct name, you should say y- Yahweh. I knew that. I knew that academic see but we need to know this and understand this on a different level and uh and i said what what they said they say that you know they said well jehovah's more common and that's the reason i said i didn't need to use yahweh and you can get christian commentaries i have some on one of my bible programs um one of her oxford that that talk about when moses was out here in the wilderness at this burning bush, and when he asked, it says in the Christian commentary, when Moses asked, what's your name, he had to ask that because there were many gods in Egypt and many gods with different names, and that he needed to know what the name of this god was. And that's because God is a title. It is not a name, say. And they also say in the Christian commentaries, in the Oxford one, I just remember that one, but there's a few of them that say, that's that talk about how he told Moses his name was Yahweh and then in the tet, tetragrammaton is put is right in those Christian commentaries, see? But the point is that if we don't the church wants you to believe that you don't you can't prove it and that you you have to just believe it by faith. But that's not what the book says. The book says to prove all things, see? It says to prove all things, see? that we need to know this thing for a certainty, say. And these witnesses are so critical and so important. Um, because Give me the uh, A chart. They're so important because you, you can't know something without witnesses. Um, on this chart, the top of the chart, look at this starts with a vision, say. It starts with a vision, and you can see that in the top middle. And then it has an arrow point one way to a revelation and an arrow point the other way to a delusion. Now, look at it. It doesn't say, it also doesn't show you, it doesn't start with the witnesses. <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm not diminishing the witnesses, but you don't, you, to know something, you, you have to be given a vision to know something about Yahweh, say, because we cannot see spiritual things with these physical eyes, say. But uh, but when we think we know something, because even in class, um, I'll hear something. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Or, or sometimes in my own thoughts, something hits me like I feel like I had a revelation. Say, but but you can't know that you have a revelation. Well, let me put it this way. If you want to know you had a revelation, you better be able to have witnesses to back it up. That's the point of the witnesses. Because if you have a delusion, you're not going to have the witnesses to back it up, say. And the dictionary in my field in therapy and psychology, a delusion is believing in something in spite of evidence slash, let's say, witnesses to the contrary, say. I had a woman come into my office when I had a private practice on the Buffalo area, and she was talking about this terrible smell. Um, she believed that there was something, 
somebody, there's gas coming in the apartment. She thought maybe somebody did it. It sounded a little bit interesting. Like it was a little bit suspicious um, just because of a bunch of things that were said. Um, um, but I couldn't say if she had a delusion or not. Maybe there was a gas leak or something. Say, um, so, you know, I would encourage her to get witnesses, have somebody look at it, have somebody go out, you know, and then she said, well, people did come out. And they didn't see anything. And then as I talked to her more, I found out that she had moved three times and she had the same smell um, in every one of her apartments. So now I'm starting to suspect, yeah, this person has a, um, is having a psychotic symptoms. So hallucinations or delusions are both similar. Um, you know, uh, the, the movie A Beautiful Mind uh, is about a, a gentleman who had uh, schizophrenia. And he had uh, delusions and hallucinations. And he thought he was in the, I think it was the CIA or something. He was a spy, all this stuff. And the movie's interesting because it starts off with you not really knowing that if you don't know the story. And then it comes out that he was having hallucinations and delusions. Um, and in a sense, he was able to deal with that by getting witnesses. Um, he got witnesses of, um, from people that he trusted became his witnesses. To, to confirm whether uh, and he was one of the few people with severe psychosis that I believe he was treated without medication necessarily. But the point is, if, if we don't have witnesses, we don't have anything. All of the information out there is useless without witnesses. If you can't back it up, if you can't prove it, it's basically useless, say. And this is such an important thing, especially in this day and age, we can see all this stuff coming out. People are believing anything and everything they want to hear, see. Um, and part of the problem is that um, people just, we, <laughs> truth is, uh, we prefer, people, humans prefer a lie. We, we prefer a lie um, as, as natural, carnal, beings we prefer a lie um give me genesis 3 4 so we know that when eve went into the uh or eve was in the garden they adam and eve they were given the commandment not to eat and then the serpent approaches eve yes. i apologize kathy kathy has to mute every time that that I'm talking because I'm trying to prevent an echo. So, so sometimes she's talking and she forgets to unmute. Genesis <laughs> three, pick it up at three, uh, two, one. Genesis three, one. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which Yahweh Elohim had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath Elohim said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, Elohim has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For Elohim does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Keep going. No, that's good. You could stop there. Now, look at the, the, this. Uh, you have to mute again, though. Sorry. Um, this. Look at Eve preferred to hear what Satan told her. 
it sounded so much, doesn't that sound so much nicer? No, you won't die. Your eyes will be open. You'll be like the gods. Um, and and uh, <laughs> because that sounds better. Um, we like what sounds better. Um, it's, I know there's a number of sayings, but um, uh, Bob Dylan in one of his songs, one of my favorite quotes on Dylan's song is he says, people don't do what they believe in. They do what's most convenient and then repent. Um, and it goes along with that. I'd rather, you know, what is it? Uh, do, do it, ask permission later or whatever, or ask for forgiveness instead of asking for permission, one of those kind of things. Um, so it's, it's, um, we prefer a lie. Um, give me Psalm 52 and three. And, um, yeah. 52 and 3. Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness. Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. Yeah, we love, <laughs> we love lying. You love lying more than righteousness. You you know, we, we love, and give me Romans 8 and 20. We can't help it. See, it's the nature of, it's our nature. And people, so people want to ignore the witnesses. You can talk to people. Talk to people about politics. Talk to them about religion. Talk to them about economy. They don't want it. They don't want to know the witnesses. When you try to debate with somebody about any particular topic, well, <laughs> go ahead and read that first. Romans eight twenty. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Yeah, we're made subject to vanity, see, and we prefer it because because you could have a debate with somebody. I'm going to give an example. I, I worked in um, IT for a while, and Kathy, I needed to mute again. Sorry, I worked in IT for a while, and um, I worked in an office, and we had some student interns that we were working with, and so we had a student. You know, you have a computer, and you have a computer mouse. Well, we had a student come in and say. A young student saying that it wasn't called the mouse because it looks like a mouse, that it's actually an acronym. Um, I think because we use the word mice for plural of mouse. And he said it's not actually mice because you don't you don't pluralize an acronym. Um, so he was telling us it was mouse. Now, I had heard other things. Um, I did not believe he was correct. So I researched it. Well, he he actually got on the web. And he found a web a couple of websites that, that supported his his theory. However, if you did a search on the web, you'd find a hundred other um, sources that would tell you you wouldn't. But actually, if you dig deep enough, you could find information about the guy who named it a mouse, and he said it was called a mouse, and it is a mouse like the animal because it looks like a mouse. But see, he wouldn't listen to it even with the witnesses. And I'm not sure where all the, the uh, verses are, but a lot of why we don't want to listen is because of our traditions, because it's what we've learned and what we're taught, especially in the church. See? And um, we learn something the wrong way. We don't want to accept that we were wrong. That's very difficult. <laughs> I work. I know people, okay, so my father was a mechanic. Um, 
And I was talking to somebody about a part that I needed for my car. And I said, I need a solenoid. And uh, he said, and the guy corrected me, he said, it's a solenoid, like C-E-L. Um, and, and what it is, is a lot of people pronounce it um, that way, but that is not correct. It's S-O-L, like the sun. It's S-O-L, I believe, uh, E-N-O-I-D. It's a solenoid, not a solenoid. But people hear somebody say something so long. Um, and, and so I was telling this person, no. I said, look it up in the dictionary. You won't find it under what you're looking for. It's not based on the word like cellulite. It's solenoid. And I looked it up and I showed him in the dictionary. And he said to me, and I got it in Webster's. He said, I don't care what the Webster dictionary says. And you're going to run into people making this argument all the time now with politics and all of these other things. They don't care what witnesses you give because people prefer to believe what they want to believe. See, now I don't care if you do that in politics. And I don't care if you do that with your car. Although if you work in an auto parts store and try to order a solenoid, look up SE, you're going to have problems. Um, but, but when it comes to our creator, when it comes to Yahweh, the one and only true God, we need to care about that. That's important. That's the most important thing that we could ever come to know is, is, is uh, this truth. It's just such a beautiful truth to come down here. And when you come down here, and you see these this, these things taught to us uh, with this line upon line uh, over and over and over again. It's just such a beautiful thing. There's nothing like it. <laughs> There's nothing like it. And, uh, well, there are things like it. Those are things that Yahweh put here to be like it. Um, so I actually was going to get into something further down in the scripture, but um, I guess some it's witnesses is one of my pet peeves. I don't want to. I don't want anybody to ever tell me anything if you can't get me a witness for it. Um, and I don't ever want to hear uh, when I left the church um, and I, I became disillusioned and I left. Um, I didn't want to hear anything about uh, believing something. Just you have to just believe it. I, I couldn't accept that anymore. And when I was in the wrong camp and people started saying the same thing in the IDMR. On the wrong side, it was being wrong. I was starting to be told the same thing, and I, I had a, I left that. Um, and I'm glad I found my way to the right camp. <laughs> and I know some people don't like the word camps, but let me just say this: find my way back to hearing the truth taught the way it's supposed to be taught, the way you hear it taught in these classes is just such a beautiful thing. I actually do want to go back to the scripture lesson um, and start at. Um, uh, start it right at one, at one again. Hebrews 12.1 Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There's so much power in that sentence when you really listen to it. We, if being compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight look at when something's proving to you and you truly see it there really is a weight lifted there really is a weight lifted and what's being proven to us through this great gospel is is um well keep going <laughs> continue where you were 
Look two, looking unto Yahshua, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of Yahweh. Look at these witnesses prove that Yahweh died to give us life and that we could have life and we could know Yahweh. And and uh <laughs> And there's just nothing any there's nothing more powerful. It's the one thing. Think about it. Of all the things in the world, there's that's the main thing. Uh, when we talk about God, that's the main thing that almost the whole world says we can't prove it. That you have to believe it. They they'll prove a lot of things, but that one they 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 won't admit. They won't say they can prove because they can't because they don't know the witnesses and they don't know the truth. Five minutes, please. Okay, thank you. They don't know the truth. So they that's 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 such a powerful statement was, to believe yeah. that to understand that Yahweh that we could know Yahweh it's just so powerful and that is is just the most important thing to me and I'm just so thankful uh, and I actually was planning to end in there anyways um, because I wanted to say the witnesses are important because of what they're showing us and that is that there is a death a burial, a resurrection, and ascension. And um, and in all this crap that I was wrapped up in in the church and everything, to imagine that could ever be proven to me, it wasn't even an imagination to me, to be honest with you. It was something I never could have fathomed. Uh, and to come down here, and when I came down here, I didn't believe it. Um, and Yahweh had to smack me in the head, and he did, and I'm just so thankful. Oh, and that was the other thing, but I'm not going to get into it. I wanted to get into the discipline thing, but I'm so thankful he disciplined me by smacking me, you know, that he disciplined me by, you know, making me see and making me suffer so that he could, so that he could help me to grow. I'm thankful for the growing pains that I have. Um, all glory and praise and honor go to Yahshua. I hope somebody got something out of it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Hules. And our next speaker this evening will be Dr. Deb Kamati from Syracuse. Hi, good evening, everybody. Good evening. Good evening. I mean, Daryl, I just loved that. I just absolutely love that. I mean, I know some of the history of, um, you know, you being in seminary, and that was always so exciting to me that we actually had somebody that, you know, was on the inside and could really testify to the things that were going on. You know, a lot of us, you know, we had our experience in church and we had, you know, we knew what we knew from how we were raised. And, you know, I was raised pretty strict myself, but um, to hear, you know, somebody just be like on the inside, it was just really, really good. So um, I just want to go back to Hebrews, you know, back to the scripture um, I, um, I, I got like when, um, they were reading the scripture reading, I just like, it just like this one verse just like made me sit up and write it down. And it says, um, that he chastises us for our own profit. And that's really how Daryl kind of left off, you know, mm -hmm. that he was glad that he went through the suffering and he went through the challenges, the hurdles, the obstacles, that he went through because it caused him to grow. And, you know, the fact that, you know, he went through all these different pathways and, you know, 
Yahshua picked him up and found him, dusted him off, and now he's in the true gospel, praising Yahshua. So it's just so, so many things running through my head, um, the power of, of Yahshua and the testimonies of uh, brethren are always so powerful because we all do have a testimony and um, Yahshua is always lifted up and praised because he did all the, he did all the work. So it's just so pretty. So um, mm. let's just start right at the scripture and um, we're talking about witnesses and we're talking about this um, Yahshua. He's the author and finisher of our faith. So right there, if he's the author and he's the finisher, we're just, we're in there. We're in the, you know, the, the purpose, but we're certainly not like masters of our own destiny. Absolutely not. <laughs> so go ahead. Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Yahshua, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of Yahweh. So he he was always going to be the one that was going to redeem us. He was always going to be the one that was going to be our sole sal salva savior. I'll say it that way. And he was always going to be the one that was not going to let anything get in the way of doing what the father sent him to do. And um, Linda, could you grab me John, the fifth chapter? And it's, uh, I think it's the 37th. No, wait a minute, 36, John 5 and 36. Um, and this is Joshua talking. And he's, you know, like Daryl said, they just make things up because they don't know what it's all about. I would be doing the same thing if I didn't come into this class and didn't have a revelation. I'd be doing the same thing if I had to talk about Jesus or anything, I'd be making it up and, and, you know, and thinking my, my thoughts are just as good as the next guy. So what's, what's the, Hey, you know, mm -hmm. but when you have a vision and revelation, then you understand. And like Fred Allen used to say, the book just gets smaller and smaller and smaller because it's just, it's just the one line that Yahshua came to save sinners. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. John five thirty six. but I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father hath sent me. So he came to finish the works. And people not understanding that, not knowing what Yahshua was doing, they just try to follow him. Like there was that real funny movie that everybody was... Uh, they just loved when I first came into class. I don't know the name of it. And I don't remember it because I didn't really see the movie. But everybody got the biggest kick out of it because like the guy would lose his shoe. And everybody thought that he was like, you know, the Messiah or the promised one. So they would all kick off a shoe. Life and follow of Brian. Him. What is that? The life of Brian. The life of Brian. The life of Brian. British. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. So if you saw that movie, I didn't see it, but it everybody was hysterical over it because people were doing what this guy was doing, not having a clue. 
And that's kind of what how it started with like, you know, the churches started following the things that Yahshua was doing. I mean, to the point when I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico, people would actually try to drag a cross, an actual wooden cross at Easter time. They would be seen going up the highway, dragging a cross to do the works that Jesus did. And they wow. thought this was some kind of righteousness for them. See, so like Daryl was saying, if you don't know the truth, you will make it up. And people prefer the lie. The carnal mind prefers the lie. Okay. Mm -hmm. The truth is the truth is cleansing, but the truth is also hard, you know. It's it's the same old song, you know, honey, does this dress make me look fat? You really don't want to hear that answer, but you know it does. So you have to <laughs> be ready. You have to be ready for the truth. And Yahshua, with his spirit in us, allows us to accept the truth because he is the truth, the spirit of truth. See, so I'm just pulling this point in John because it's showing us that Yahshua is saying, I came to finish the works that the father gave me to do. So now everybody doesn't have to climb on a cross. Everybody doesn't have to get baptized. Everybody doesn't have to do miracles because that would be a hard one, you know, changing water into wine. Everybody <laughs> doesn't have to do the things that the they saw Jesus doing in his ministry because we understand he was on a mission to fulfill now, let me show you just another scripture to show you that. And, you know, Daryl was saying just how powerful those witnesses were. Um, it's Luke. Um, it's Luke 24, 25, 26, and 27. If you can read that, please. Luke 24, 25. Then he said unto them, Oh, fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Messiah to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Okay, and drop over to 44, Kath. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So now we're going to see the things that Yahshua was doing, like I mentioned, being on the cross and um, being that sacrifice. He fulfilled that piece of the law. When he was baptized, he fulfilled that piece of the law. When he kept the Passover, he fulfilled that piece of the law. So all those things that some people don't even consider being interested in because they just think it's Jewish history is something that Yahshua came to fulfill or to move out of the way. So when you go into your Methodist church, your Pentecostal church, your Catholic church, and they're doing Passover dinners and suppers and last suppers, you know they have not had a revelation because Yahshua, in his ministry, he fulfilled, he finished the works that the Father gave him to do. And nobody even knew the purpose. Nobody even knew that this was a thing until Dr. Kinley, he had a vision and revelation. 
Okay. And it's just like Moses had a vision. We talk about that. And it's just like the prophets had visions. Paul had a vision. He said, I don't know if I was in the body. I don't know if I was out of the body, but I'm going to tell you, I saw some things and Paul was taken up to the third heaven. And so visions mm -hmm. aren't new. And so we have a vision and we have a revelation too. And you didn't hear about this stuff in church and they didn't really care. They didn't care about that stuff. They just cared about having a, a catchy tune for, you know, what they thought was, uh, you know, a good sermon. I remember this guy, it was so funny. He said that um, they would, the priests and the ministers would look through magazines and they try to find something catchy, like, you know, Wrigley Spearmer gum really gets you humming. And they would just change it to the Holy Spirit really gets you humming. And that was oh their idea God. for their sermon for, for the week because they were not inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's carnal minds just crushing it, trying to get something to say that's good and encouraging, you know, on Sunday morning. So um, I want to go over to Ephesians. This is something no church talked about because once again, they don't understand what the purpose is. And so they're just grasping at straws. And so they'll have, you know, they'll have like, if you go into a church, they're always going to have the cross and they'll have the body of Jesus on it. And, you know, some people are more elaborate than others. Some people have saints. In my church, I was uh, raised Methodist. We didn't have any saints or any of that business. It was just about, you know, the Messiah. But, you know, people, stained glass windows, they get all elaborate and all crazy when, you know, it says Joshua, he doesn't even dwell in temples made with hands. And everybody, if you ask them, why do you go to church? They say, because God's there. And, and, you know, it's just a natural thing to think it's God's house. Some people, they open the doors of the church to let God in. I mean, it's their <laughs> mind. I had a coworker and she said every Christmas, her grandmother made a birthday cake for Jesus I, on Christmas Day. I mean, who said to do that? See what I mean? Yeah, she yeah. just thought she was being way religious about the thing. He's not born on December 25th. That was another huge, huge thing to come to know. And it's like common knowledge now. But like Daryl said, they don't care. They're going to still have that celebration. Don't wreck mm -hmm. my good time, you know. So we're, we're talking about Yahshua. We're talking about him being the author and the finisher of our faith. And we're also talking about him having a purpose and a plan that will not go astray it will not go off the tracks it will happen just the way he said it and that's where our confidence and seeing witness after witness of him coming through on everything he says that's our confidence that we know when we've had a revelation and we have faith like daryl said those witnesses back up your mm -hmm. revelation absolutely see you're not gonna you're not gonna read through the bible put a bunch of things together and say, oh, I see it now. I know, uh-uh, because how many people have done that before you that don't have a clue? See, what you're going to do is you're going to be given a revelation, and then as you go back through the book, you're going to get it verified that this is how Yahshua does, does deal with mankind. Okay, so let's read Ephesians. This is so good because I want to start, whoever's going to read, I want to start in Ephesians 1 and 3, and this is so good talking about still Yahshua being the author and finisher of our faith. And it's not, 
It's not starting when he comes in the flesh. Okay. It's not starting there. It's way back. Okay. In eternity. So go ahead. Ephesians 1, 3, blessed be Yahweh and father of our savior, Yahshua, the Messiah, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Yahshua, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of sons by Yahshua, the Messiah, to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, through which he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Now, why would that be important? In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Some people don't even think they're sinners. They don't even know what's going on. Every single person that Yahshua ever put on this earth plane is a sinner. And he made it that way so that they would have to come to him for redemption. But people don't even know that. And quite frankly, when I was young in class and somebody showed me that I was stuck and I wasn't going to be able to do anything myself and I was going to have to go to Yahshua, it made me very uncomfortable because I said, what if he doesn't re receive me? What if he doesn't accept me? So it was very daunting. And, and you know, I didn't like it at first. But you know what? The truth is the truth. See, mm -hmm. you're a sinner and you have to come to the one that can redeem you. Like it or not. Go ahead. In which he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Okay, so now he's, there's a mystery. There's a mystery to be solved. And it's the mystery of his will. And that's so interesting because you don't get that thought in the church, that there's a mystery of his will. You think you're doing something because you decided to get up on Sunday morning, get your best clothes on and go to church. You think you're doing something. And he, this is the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure. Never did that even cross my mind. I never crossed my mind that there was something or maybe that I wouldn't be accepted. I wasn't a murderer after all. You know, the Big Ten, I, I was very aware of the Big Ten. When we were in our church, I didn't know a whole bunch about, you know, a lot of stuff, but I definitely knew about the Ten Commandments, okay? So it's talking about the good pleasure which he purposed in himself. Remember, we're talking about him being the author and the finisher. And think about somebody writing a novel and they got an idea about a character and they start to, you know, write about this character. It's up to them how this character plays out through each chapter. And at the end, if the character lives, if the character dies, if the character gets the girl, if the character gets the guy, it's up to the author. He's the author and the finisher. And see, this is what also Paul is saying here, that it's according to his good pleasure. So now let's read 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Yahshua both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in now, him. If you're reading that, you may not know what the dispensation of the fullness of times is. 
So, Kath, can I ask you to go over, uh, I think it's uh, Galatians, right? 324. Mm -hmm. um, see, this is stuff, like, once again, that Dr. Kinley, having his vision and revelation, brought these things out because he had the vision and revelation, okay? And he brought it to us. And some people rejected it and some people didn't, okay? Because those are the ones that are called. Those are the ones that Yahshua is going to keep. And we are in the body of Yahshua. So now read that, Kath, about the fullness of time. Uh, four and four, maybe? Yeah, four and four, yes. But when the full, Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time was come, Yahweh sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So you see where we're going? Where, you know, this is the same. Paul's writing the same, you know, Galatians. He's writing Ephesians. But you see where he's going? Then dispensation of the fullness of times. He's, mm -hmm. uh, he's telling you over here in Galatians, the fullness of time was when Yahshua came in on the scene. He was sent forth. He was made of a woman. That's right. That's Mary. He was made under the law. So guess what? That's why he's doing the things that he's doing, because he's under the Mosaic law. See, people, mm -hmm. they don't have any clue of time or chronology. They have no idea. So they said, he got baptized. I'm going to get baptized. He kept the Passover. I'm going to keep the Passover. He got on the cross. I'm not getting on the cross, but I'm going to go to Easter Sunday and I'm going to, you know, say, hey, glad you did that. See what I'm saying? They have no idea what was going on, that that was a sacrificial man on the cross as the lamb was for the people back there in the old covenant. He was made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. Well, how is that? See, by him fulfilling, remember we read over in John that he had work to do, the work that the father gave him to finish. By him finishing and doing all those things that were of the law, right? Because he was not a sinner, no, not one sin. So he fulfilled the whole law. He did the whole law. Then he redeems them under the law because he moves that law out of the way. That's the, that's the key for those is, Israelites, for those Jews. Now, he, us as Gentiles, we're not even under that law, folks. We're coming in by the promise made to Abraham. So it's a whole bunch of stuff going on that we didn't have a clue of before. And, you know, even if Daryl learned this in seminary, which I think by his testimony, he said he didn't, you still have to have a revelation of what's it all about, or it's just history. It's just a history lesson, see, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons big one, that we might be adopted. Okay, so now go back to Ephesians 1 and 10. We're talking about the dispensation of the fullness of times. And now we know that that's Pentecost. And he's talking about have things in heaven and things on the earth. He's talking about Jew and Gentile. He's talking about the mortal man. And he's talking about the angelic host. Go ahead. 11, in whom also... In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Of his own will. So none of us stood up and said yay or nay. None of us had that choice, see. And you had about as much choice 
of saying yes to his own will as you had about, you know, when those uh, fallopian uh, tubes and those little finger-like projections was pulling an egg in mom and bringing it down into, you know, the womb and setting it into the wall and then having uh, dad sperm quicken that. You had about as much to do with coming becoming part of Yahshua's body as you had as being born physically. And you know what? The only reason that that is the way it is is such an incredible miracle because mom's got thousands and thousands of eggs and possibilities and their dad's got millions of sperm. So the possibilities are endless of the combination. And you come here, you come out, and now you're seeing something about Yahshua the Messiah. So that miracle of life, that miracle of being born physically is just a witness, is just an example, it's just a shadow to show you about the miracle of life spiritually. And that's what we're talking about. And that's why Daryl was just saying, he, he can't believe that, you know, he's where he's at after all that crazy journey that he's finally sitting under the truth. It, and it was just so powerful to me. I just, I just loved hearing the whole story. It's just so good. So we're talking about Yahshua after the counsel of his own will. So the people that are under the sound of his truth and and are have had a revelation that's his choice that's his own will and somebody sitting right next to you can in class can get up and leave and say oh my gosh that that's a bunch of hogwash and they leave and you never see them again and you're like oh my gosh i can't believe i'm sitting under this the sound of this when when i found out god had a name it it just crushed me i i could not believe that i knew that god had a name and i knew what it was I never heard of such a thing until coming into class. So all this that I'm talking about is the counsel of his own will. Go ahead. That we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Yahshua, in whom ye also trusted after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. And he talks about an inheritance. And, you know, I've never, I've never heard of one person complain that they had to go listen to the reading of the will at any time. I've never heard him say, oh, it's a bother. Oh, I don't feel good. Oh, I'm not going to go. You get yourself to the reading of the will. Why? Because you're interested to find out what you've inherited. What did they leave you? It's usually not a, you know, a bag of coal. It's usually something really, really good that you would want money, property, cars, whatever. And it's only an example, once again, to show you how satisfied you're going to be with this inheritance. And it's the earnest of the inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, because we have the Holy Spirit, but we're still in physical bodies. Still got to go to work tomorrow. Still got laundry piling up. Still got to do the things of the flesh. But what's different about us is that we're confident in our hearts. We're confident in our minds that what happens is all set by Yahshua the Messiah. And if he's the author and finisher of our faith, if he bothered to go on the cross and suffer that kind of a death to make sure that we were going to be 
in him that we were going to receive his spirit on the day of Pentecost, we don't have a thing to worry about. See, right. he, we're not going to, we're not going to get just so far and he's going to drop us. Uh-uh, that ain't happening. See, and it's even talked about, I think Linda read it. Yeah. Linda read 13 again, where it talks about us as being sealed. We're not slipping off the rock. We're not going back and having to do some revival. We're not going to slip off the rock. And you know what else you're not going to do? You're not going to sin with the Holy Spirit. That's believe right. it. Don't believe it. You're not going to sin with the Holy Spirit. Are you going to make mistakes? Oh, absolutely. But guess what? Uh, somebody get me Romans. I think it's, uh, I know it's like 15 in the last verse or something. It's, it's so, it's so easy for us to understand it with the Holy Spirit. So we can just only bring it out in the, what's in the Bible and what's in the creation and what's in your body to show you these, these proofs. But guess what? Here we go. Read 15. Oh no, 14, sorry. 14, 22 and 23. Romans 14, 22 and 23. Has thou faith? Have it to thyself before Yahweh. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. So what does that mean, Kath? Happy is he that condemns not himself. Guess what that means? You're not sinning because what does sin bring? Condemnation. Condemnation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're happy because you've allowed something and you're not receiving condemnation. So that means it's okay. Go ahead. And he that doubted doubteth is damned if he eat because he eateth not in faith for whatsoever is not of faith is sin so there was a whole slew of stuff back in the old testament that you had to do there was the big 10 and there was 603 other things that you had to do and they were very very cumbersome and nobody did them everybody failed miserably but on this side in the new covenant, here's what's here's what it's about. For whatever is not of faith is sin. So that's why he said, happy is he that condemns not himself, okay, or doesn't have condemnation in the thing that he allows day in and day out. You see that promise? You see how that promise is working? You see how we are now free? Because what does Joshua mean? Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is freedom. Yahweh is liberation. Liberation from what? Condemnation. Liberation from your sad sack of a carnal mind that was only for your to your end. See, it was only to your end. It was never to praise Yahshua because you didn't even know what the guy was really doing. Why was he on that cross? What, what's these... You know, what are the Israelites about? What's Paul always writing about? What did Moses do? I loved the story of Moses at Easter time, but really that's about it. It used to make me sad because I didn't feel like I came up to, you know, the mark. But after Easter was over, you just go on your merry way. And see, they've got this chart up here to show you that carnal mind, that physical, earthly, temporary law, which was given to the Jews. Okay, now here's a here's a mind blower. Yahshua comes in. Guess what he is? He's a Jew. I almost fell off my chair the first time somebody brought that out in class because I thought he was a Methodist. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I didn't know. And I certainly didn't think he was dark skinned because my father had this 
big giant picture of Jesus and he always kept it in his office and he's white and he's got like blue eyes. So guess <laughs> what? I never thought he was Hebrew or dark skinned. See, now, not to not to say if you look at the bottom of this, not to say see the Abrahamic promise, the Mosaic law, we're going to come in as Gentiles. We're going to come in under the Abrahamic promise. The Mosaic law, okay, that's what Yahshua is fulfilling, right? He's fulfilling that law, moving it out of the way, mm -hmm. and then go over to the far right of this chart, and you see the word Pentecost. The Jews first, and then seven years later, the Gentiles. And look what you receive is that beautiful heart with all those spiritual gifts in that heart, which is now translated in you and in me. See, so that's what I'm talking about. This is the gift that Yahshua for the joy, okay, that was set before him, because he knows what's going to come for us. The joy that was set before him, he endured that cross. He endured that that shame and that pain. And it, it's just ridiculous. If you read over there in Isaiah, it says this man was marred, his visage, his features they were marred beyond any man like you couldn't even tell it was a man it wasn't no right, body right. on the cross like we picture here if we pictured a big oh slaughter hunk of meat up there i don't know what anybody would get out of it so we have to picture it like a man but if you read the scriptures it was way, way worse okay he endured that cross he finished the works that the father gave him to do despising the shame and is set down on the right hand of the throne of Yahweh. And now look at, we have received of that spirit on the day of Pentecost. Because, okay, Pentecost, it was 53 days later from the time he was put on the cross to the Jews. Now, the Jews were exclusive for seven years until, the it says in Acts, the 10th chapter, the Gentiles come in seven years later. That's where we come in. But, you know, that's not like a historical event like um, the Battle of Normandy or something. I don't know. I'm probably saying that wrong. But, you know, like some like historical event. Pentecost is every day that Yahshua shows somebody something and brings them into the fold. So it started for us Gentiles seven years after the Jews, but it has kept on going all this time. And the witnesses is what is in our heart. OK, that what we allow does not cause us condemnation. And um, you can read over there, um, Linda, if you could get first John three and 20. It's just talking about the way we the way we are today, the way that we move, we live and we move. We know we live and move inside Yahweh. But I said that we don't sin. And I should probably pick that up because it's in the same verse. Linda, go to three first John three and seven. Okay. Little, mm -hmm, go ahead. Thank you. I little, see it. Uh, 1 John 3, 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Yahweh was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So see, you're not going to get sin out of that. He destroyed the works of the devil in your heart and mind. 
So the mm. devil sins, and he was a sinner from the beginning, and you were under his possession. You were under the 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 uh, mind, that carnal mind, and that demonic spirit. That's what you had, and that's what you've been removed from now. But see that the that he might destroy the works of the devil in you. Go ahead, read Linda. Whosoever is born of Yahweh doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in us, in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of Yahweh. So remember I said a little bit ago, when you have received that Holy Spirit, you will not commit sin. That's why there's no condemnation. Because sin is, is the result of condemnation. And condemnation mm -hmm. is going against your conscience. And we have been removed from all of that. Now go over to 20 and 21. For if our heart condemn us, Yahshua is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward Yahweh. So now see what I'm saying? And and like if I if I uh go and I brush my teeth, I do not have condemnation. I know I have confidence that I'm just fine. But if I try to go and steal. Or if I try to go and, um, you know, say something about Yahshua in a negative way, I'm going to have, I'm not going to have confidence that I'm okay with Yahweh. It's going to bother me because I don't want to blaspheme. And it's impossible for me to do that, but I'm just using the examples. See, once you're in Yahweh, you're in the law. See, when you're outside of Yahweh or outside the body of Yahshua, you're an outlaw. See, you don't have any hope of keeping the law because you got nothing. See, you got nothing to keep you in that jurisdiction of righteousness, in that peace, in that joy, in that kingdom. You got nothing keeping you in there. See, it's the Holy Spirit in you and you in that body of Yahshua the Messiah that keeps you where he says that he that does righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. So it's not our righteousness. It's Yahshua's right. righteousness, but we are his bride. And it's and so you have all the goodness that your husband is about. You partake of all that goodness, just like in the physical. If your husband makes, you know, six figures a year and he drives a Maserati, you get one too. See, you can, you can take all on what he has. And that's what we're talking about in the spirit with this righteousness. You don't have any righteousness of your own. You can think you do. You can fake it to, to your friends, but you have no righteousness of your own. I hope somebody got something out of that. Like I said, I enjoyed Daryl so much and just hearing that testimony. So thank you for the time and turn it back to the moderator. Thank you, Dr. Kometi. And our final speaker this evening will be the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Wilpey. I want to say good evening, everyone. And as usual, I want good to evening. do a sound check to make sure everybody can hear me. You're good. Yep. Okay, very good. Thank you. Boy, that was really a couple of great testimonies I heard tonight. A couple of mm -hmm. uh, very thought-provoking. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about many things when both speakers were uh, you know, going through the things that I feel are very important for us to pay attention to. 
You know, going back to uh, something that Dr. Hules said, I want to make a few comments about that to start with. Now, the world, ladies and gentlemen, has got a problem right from the onset, as we did before we came into this class. And I think Deb was talking about some of the things that she once believed or thought and so on and so forth. Now, when you look at Yahweh's purpose as it's developed down through the, the scriptures, uh, what you're going to see, go, could you give me the, uh, Greg, would you mind getting me the, um, the uh, Moses chart again, please? Now, what Yahweh has done is made manifest down through the law and the prophets on numerous different occasions and situations that we read about. He has shown the imperfection and contrariness of the carnal nature or the human nature, if you will. Now, we know that Yahweh created us subject to vanity. But what Yahweh was doing is he was drawing a distinction all the way down through the book and having you see, for an example, these different things that even took place before the law of Moses was given. Now, we know that, for an example, we know that we uh, that Adam and Eve, uh, you know, uh, disobeyed and uh, therefore were driven out of the garden. But when we look at the mankind proceeding forth from that point, we recognize some things of, that Yahweh is making manifest, such as the Cain and Abel situation, where Cain was jealous of Abel and then killed him and then lied about it to Yahweh uh, as far as uh, trying to cover up what he did. And we also know the wickedness of the people down there in Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that the whole earth plane lied in wickedness when Yahweh told Noah that he was going to, uh, the end of all flesh was coming before him. And then, of course, we take that further. You can bring that all the way down through. And I want to skip up because I don't want to talk about this too much. But when Yahweh brought the children of Israel to the mountain, what Yahweh was going to do now by interject, interjecting or inter introducing that law that he gave from Mount Sinai, that would draw out the absolute imperfection and problem with a human nature or a carnal nature devoid of the Holy Spirit. And because Yahweh did throw that law out and Moses said to them, it'll be our righteousness if we observe to do all the things that Yahweh has commanded us. Now we know at the mountain, they agreed to do what Yahweh commanded. And of course that was out of fear. But what I want you to know is that nobody from that point forward for 1,500 years, ever established that they had a righteous nature. Uh, in fact, the scriptures tell us that there were none righteous, no, not one, and that uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory. Now, what I want you to realize is when, when Yahshua the Messiah comes in, he is going to be the standard of all righteousness. He is going to be the absolute uh, measuring rod uh, that all man can measure themselves according to that nature that was demonstrated through Yahshua the Messiah. Now, what Yahweh is doing in this purpose, he's trying to uh, illustrate to us that without us having the divine nature formed in us, we haven't got a chance of being worthy of any glory or any 
uh, earning salvation is out. That's not going to happen. And you're not going to establish yourself to be righteous. What that, should, what that should do is make us recognize that our very nature needs help in order to please Yahweh. And so this is what the whole point was. When Yahshua came in and fulfilled that law and moved it out of the way, he ended your opportunity to establish your own righteousness. In fact, let's even go one step further. I mean, let me take this back for a minute. We know that back there in the, in the land of, I mean, in the wilderness of Sinai, when he set up the tabernacle, the tabernacle itself was a vessel that was also showing that it was a preparation for an atonement for sin. And that tabernacle was showed to Moses on top of Mount Sinai before the people worshiped the calf. Moses was at the end of his time of the 40-day period, uh, and they built that calf because they didn't know what happened to Moses. They figured they'd start worshiping something else and saying, you know, that this is what brought us up out of the land of Egypt or whatever which provoked Yahweh uh, even more because he told them the first commandment not to make anything that's the likeness of anything in heaven and not to bow down and worship it or any of those things. He instructed them that he was a jealous Elohim. Now that nature, ladies and gentlemen, just was contrary to Yahweh. It was contrary to the divine nature. And it was without that nature, there is an, it's an impossibility for you to please Yahweh, and it is impossible for you to establish any form of righteousness. And this is what the problem was that Yahweh was demonstrating with all human nature. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot establish yourself as being okay with Yahweh, and therefore you know you're going to heaven. Now, I know that, I mean, when I was listening to Deb and I was listening to Daryl, I remember raised as a Catholic thinking, you know, they told me I'm not supposed to do this and I'm not supposed to do that, but I'm not such a bad guy. I haven't killed anyone, to, to quote, <laughs> I think that was say, cited tonight, and I haven't done some of these terrible things that you know people have done down through history. So you think you're okay. You think you, you, you did well enough that God's going to let you slide and therefore you're going to go to heaven. Well, it's not really till you come into this class and you understand that the only one. Now, when we read uh, over there in Matthew, the 13th chapter, excuse me, I think it's Matthew, the third chapter, where he comes to John to be baptized. And when John baptizes him, we know that when he comes up out of that water, a voice from heaven spoke and said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, two things about that. Number one, that voice that was coming from heaven was in Yahshua. He said, "Who in whom I am well pleased. Now, why is he well pleased? And when at any time did Yahweh call anybody else's son and say, in whom I am well pleased, down through the scriptures? Not one of them got that, uh, if you will, that announcement. So what I want you to see is the difference is that Yahshua was the walking, conscientious manifestation of the divine nature of what we call the nine divine attributes. 
that itself in the measure uh, of each one of those attributes, because we know that Yahweh in that state of pure spirit is infinite knowledge and wisdom. But when he put together that, uh, when he put together his son, I'll put it that way, well, as Dr. Kinley said, Yahweh uh, uh, formed Elohim and then went out of the creating business. Right. Well, when he formed Elohim, this is the same principle as that tabernacle. That tabernacle, every aspect of it had to be measured and weighed it. And there was a portion of gold, there was a portion of this and that and the other thing. Everything was by measurement. Now, what we understand then is that divine nature, when Yahweh put it in that embodiment, it was a measure of intelligence, knowledge, and wisdom, and love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength, working harmoniously together to demonstrate a standard that Yahweh is well pleased with, which means that it's right. Now, the, the root word of righteousness is to be right. Now, to be right with Yahweh, you must have the measure of those divine attributes working in you. Now, Paul talks about how to each of us has been given us a measure of grace. So, uh, Dr. Kinley, the question was posed to him one time, and I'm the one that posed the question to him. I asked him if we had to be perfect before the end of the age. And he told me, you will not be perfect while you're in a physical body. He said, now, however, he said, you are perfect for the state and condition for which you are in. Now, I'm saying that for this reason. We have a measure of grace to each of us that we do not measure one another by our, quote, measure. The standard is Yahshua, and whatever Yahshua has revealed to an individual is their measure of grace that would make them to be worthy. Uh, I won't say worthy, but I'll say acceptable to Yahweh. That's a better way to put it. And I want you to know that all of us don't know what that measure is that will be enough, so to speak, for us to think, well, Yahweh's well pleased with me. If I'm not perfect, how can I be comfortable in being imperfect? Well, we have to take confidence that Yahshua is doing a work within us, that he is responsible, as we say in the doxology, to present us faultless before the presence of his glory. Now unto him that is able to do that. You're not able to do that. The, the doxology doesn't say, now unto you that is able to present yourself faultless. You are not the one that knows the measure that is acceptable to Yahweh. Only Yahshua has that knowledge of what will be acceptable to the Father. And that's why in Colossians, the first chapter, uh, Paul writes over there, giving thanks to Yahshua who has made us meet. That means acceptable. Mm -hmm. To be partakers of the inheritance as sons in light. He knows how much we need to be accepted by the Father. And we have to have our confidence that he will do what he set out to do. Now, if he has brought you in this class, and first of all, we know this, uh, Daryl talked about a calling. I like that. There's so many things that Daryl said that it just, uh, I, I said, geez, I could go on and on on some of these points. But this calling thing, I was waiting for Daryl to say that when they told him you had to have a calling, 
that that meant that somebody from the divinity school called you up and said you're accepted as a student here. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing. But what else would you what would you think? You don't know what a calling and Daryl so eloquently explained. You don't know what a real calling is. Now, what we understand is a calling is that Yahweh has foreordained us to be priests or ministers in the gospel. This is before we were even born. And there's a transcript where Dr. Kinley said that these ministers uh, were prepared long before they came into this class. In other words, they were already set up from the beginning. Now, what I want you to know is we can't take any credit in that and think, gee, I did something to earn this uh uh, you know, this ministry, the minister's license that the IDMR has given out. I want you to know that the calling is we're led of the spirit. Now, the led of the spirit thing is very interesting for this reason. Uh, go over to Colossians, the first chapter, just for a minute, because I am going to get back to the scripture reading. This, to me, is leading up to something I want to talk about in that scripture reading. Now, I want you to go to Colossians where he talked about that he has delivered us from the power of darkness. So if you know where that is, Kathy, or whoever's going to read it. Colossians 1.12. Okay. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the sons in light. Now listen. Go ahead. Keep going. I'm sorry. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now let me say this to you. You don't have the power to deliver yourself from darkness. That's and right. I don't care how many cemetery schools you go to. No, not, no offense to anybody, but <laughs> Doc used to say that all the time. He used to call it cemetery school, uh, seminary school. Uh, you don't go to the school and learn Hebrew and all the things I was thinking about. What, I know Daryl has talked to me about this in the past, and it still is quite uh, interesting to me when I think about the mindset of people that he was dealing with uh, in that, that whole experience he had of going to divinity school. And I'm saying to myself, they don't comprehend that every one of us are in darkness. We don't have the power to walk out of that darkness or to find the edge of darkness and step into the light. You have to be led out of there by one that has the light. It takes light to be able to guide you out of a state of, of stingent black darkness. Now, Yahshua said, I am the light of the world. And as as many as are led of the spirit, they are the sons of Yahweh. So, and Yahshua says in another place, he said, no man cometh to the son unless the father draw him first. So what I want you to see is every one of us in our religious thinking, uh, even if you weren't religious, you were in a state of absolute darkness because you were not conscious of the reality of who you are, where you've come from, and who is in control of all things. We're not conscious of that. We walk in stingent black darkness thinking we are the master of our own ship, our own destinies, not realizing that we have to be led according to the purpose. Uh, uh, Linda, go over to the eighth chapter of Romans, and I want you to pick up Oh, what, what, what is that verse? He talks about uh, being called according to the purpose, if you could find that. It might be down around 20. I don't, I don't remember which verse. Okay. I think it's 27. Linda, okay. go ahead, 827. Okay, Romans 827. And he that searches the heart 
the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit, because he maketh intercession for the sons according to the will of Yahweh. Keep going. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love Yahweh, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now listen, you're called according to the purpose. Now, the purpose wasn't just something that fell into, a, you know, Yahweh didn't say when you were born, oh, I got a great idea. I think that Daryl will make a great minister, so I'll, I'll kind of try to lead him in the way there. Yahweh doesn't adjust the purpose. The purpose was set from the beginning, and mm -hmm. it's being carried out, and there can be no changes made to what was already set up from the beginning. He said, I am Yahweh, and I change not. So therefore, listen, if we're called according to the purpose, that's because Yahweh had purposed right from the beginning. What would happen with each and every one of us that would be brought into the glorious light of this gospel? Keep reading where you were. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Now, foreknow doesn't mean that he knew you before you knew him, after you were born, you know, oh, gee, yeah, you know, I've been watching Daryl. He's a pretty nice guy, pretty nice kid when he was born. So I think later I'm going to call him into the ministry. Foreknow means that he foreknew us before we were even created. Right. Keep reading. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, we've been predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son which means that when we walk in the door, we are not in the image of his son. We have to be conformed to that. Now, conforming is the same idea as being converted. They tie together, the two principles. Now, what I want you to know is this. I want you to know that Yahweh had already set up that you had to be converted to the image of his son. Now, that's my point in a nutshell. All of mankind from Adam on down, not one of them was in the image of Yahshua the Messiah from a, I'm talking about from a soul uh, nature standpoint. None of us were. Therefore, in order for us to be acceptable, we have to be conformed to that image by Yahshua. He is the only one that knows the measure of each one of those attributes that has to be put within us to make us acceptable to Yahweh. I don't know how much I need, but I can tell you, uh, as much as I've learned over the years, I know there's a lot of things I don't know yet that I don't yet quite understand. Am I okay with what I know so far? Well, according to Doc, you are perfect for the state and condition for which you are in because we understand that we, uh, we have fallen into the hands of the living Elohim. And as Paul said, it's a fearful, fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living Elohim. We have fallen right into Yahshua's hands. And that's according to the purpose. The Father has led us to Yahshua, and Yahshua's job is to conform us to his own image. And it's been foreordained and predestinated. We don't stroll out of darkness. In fact, when you're in darkness, you don't even know what direction to go to to get out of the darkness. You don't know where the light lies for you to go toward the light. So what I want you to see is when when, when Daryl talked about you have to have a calling, well, you know, that statement's true when you understand the reality of Yahweh's purpose and how it works. You have to be called according to the purpose. They don't know nothing about the purpose. 
these churches, and Daryl, I think his testimony uh, uh, supports this, none of these religious teachers in seminary school know the purpose of Yahweh. And as Daryl said, they sit around, all gathered together with different uh, doctrinal beliefs that people have come in with the, the Presbyterians and the and you know and the Baptist or whatever that whatever goes to the seminary school and they're just going to tolerate each other and show that as long as you're a good Christian everything will be fine but what we'll do is we'll all be able to present our own theories concepts opinions and ideas and that's what they do in the world now down here Dr. Killing put a stop to that he said we're not interested in hearing your concept, theories, opinions, or interpretations. We want to know what doth saith Yahweh. We want to know what is backed up by the things that Yahweh himself has stated. Now, why is that? Because those are the only things that are right. When Dr. Kinley used to say to us, you never had a right thought in your life. You didn't realize that without you having the thoughts of Yahweh put together for you to see a principle, your thoughts are not based upon the thoughts of Yahweh when you walk in the door. Your thoughts are not based on knowledge and revelation. None of us had a right thought in our lives. But once we come down here and we learn the things that we've been learning in the scriptures, we often fall to those. We lost you. I have a problem with my audio. It cuts out after a certain amount of time. I don't know why. But anyhow, it's back. So what I want you to recognize is this. This idea, and I, and I think another thing that Daryl said I loved, he talked about the guy, the example of the guy that wanted to argue over solenoid or, or solenoid or whatever. And you know what? It's just another example of a carnal nature. A carnal nature never wants to accept that they're wrong. They're stiff-necked, proud, and if they think it, it's got to be right. They will not accept chastisement. Now, I said that for this reason, because our scripture tonight is talking about the ability to endure chastisement and to be exercised by it to uh, receive the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Now, what I want you to know is this. This can only happen not because you say, you know, I'm a pretty humble guy, and, you know, I'm not a very argumentative person. That's not going to get it done. Here's why. Go over to John, the 14th chapter. And I want you to start somewhere towards the, not the very beginning, but he talks about that he's going to send them the spirit. Now, I'm not talking about 120 or 1426 either. I want you to get down to where he talks about, I'll leave, I will not leave you comfortless. Then he talks about how he's going to send us the spirit of truth. John 14, 15. Thank you. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because there, it seeth him not. Right. And there's a very important point that you want to keep in your mind. If Yahshua has to give us the spirit of truth, well, why is that? If we think we're so honest, and we think we're so uh, upright, and you know, and I'm a pretty, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, honorable person, and I try to do what's right. Then what do we need the spirit of truth for? If we can do it ourselves, 
Well, I'm afraid you don't understand that most people, the truth is whatever they think, whatever they want to believe, as it was already stated. And we see the world right now, nobody's ever responsible for anything they do. There's always somebody else that's at fault that caused them to do that, or they're justified to do that, or whatever the case might be. We see it every day. Now, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth, is got to be laid up in each and every one of us in order for us to be able to accept correct chastisement and correction. Because what the spirit of truth is, first of all, it causes us to love the truth, to cherish it, at the expense of even being made low by something that's going to be said that you thought the opposite of. You're willing to accept correction because you love the truth and you put the truth up above your own honor as to whether people, what will they think of me if I admit I'm wrong about something? Well, we don't care about that. We care about being right with Yahweh because what we fear is that when we stand before Yahshua and give an account, as Doc said, every one of us is going to do, that we have that spirit abiding within us that makes us acceptable to the Father. So we need the spirit of truth in order to accept correction. And we need the spirit of truth to cause us to endure chastisement and to also have it exercised within us to give us the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Now, I'm just trying to show you that that spirit, without Yahshua, we can do nothing of ourselves. He is the spirit of truth. He is what humbles our heart. He is what softens our heart and it allows us to admit when we uh, something is revealed or something is shown to us by witnesses that we're wrong. We will take that correction gladly rather than be on the wrong side of Yahweh and Yahshua uh, because we're too stubborn, stiff-necked, and proud to accept correction. So unless you recognize that it's important for you to, your, any doctrine, any doctrine you perpetuate, any doctrine you support, you need for yourself to find out whether it's supported by the evidence that has been laid up down through the law and the prophets, in your tabernacle, in the truck, the, all the basic things you've learned is a bed of manifestations of spiritual principles. Now, it was said, uh, I think Deb said this, she talked about that when a revelation comes, you don't read your Bible, then come up with a revelation. Yahweh gives you a revelation, and then you go back to your foundation and see how it's manifested by the things you've already been taught. And they become your witnesses to validate your point your, uh, uh, of what you, feel, what you want to express that you feel has been revealed to you. Now, oftentimes, and I've seen this happen, where people accept something because of who said it their favorite yep. speaker, their dean, uh, the, the, the international dean, or any all these things over the years I've seen this. And even, even Dr. Kinley said it. And, you know, I was taught when I first came into the school that Doc said is not a witness. Now, that does not mean that what Doc said, we don't give credence to it or, or don't uh, respect it. We just have to have the evidence in the law and the prophets to support what we believe Doc was saying. And when we have that evidence, the law and the prophets, we're supporting what we feel that Doc was teaching us. We ought to be able to back up what's in the law, uh, what he says by the law and the prophets. That's the point. 
because there are people that also will read transcripts and, and they will interpret things that Doc said, which I happen to say I've had the experience of seeing that they have misapplied what Dr. Kinley was saying. That's not what Doc intended by what he was saying. But unless we go in the scriptures to establish that, we have no common ground which to reconcile what we're saying or what we're teaching. So it's vitally important that we are able to go in and get evidence and witnesses for what we teach and let that be the basis of whether something will be accepted or rejected. And it don't take it personal. We all, all of us are ignorant of something. We all can be wrong. I know there are things that I thought one way about in class and then found out later, uh, uh, you know, that uh, that's not the way Doc taught it. And, and he explained why it was, it was wrong. Uh, and, and I had a complete different way. And I re immediately when I heard it explained and I saw how it fits the purpose, I said, yep, I had that one wrong. And now I'm going to correct it and change it and teach it the way now I see that it is operating in Yahweh's purpose. And that's what we all have to do. And don't make it a personal thing if somebody doesn't agree with you or you don't agree with them. Let's just be able to sit down and discuss these things and do what we were taught to do. That is to go in the book and back it up. That's what we need to do. And then anything you accept should be based upon the evidence that's been revealed or shown to you down through the scriptures. Now, when Doc said, I don't appreciate you going along with something just because I said it. If it isn't real with you, that's the way he said it. Now, listen, what makes it real is when you see the evidence for yourself that supports what he said is true, that's when now it's real with you because now you're not you're not going to just stand on Doc said. You are able to back it up yourself and stand on it because the evidence supports it. That's mm -hmm. when it's real with you. And so when, when Daryl was talking about his experience of being in the ministry and nothing was ever proved, and he comes into class, and I'm talking about he comes into the, the original thing that was taught by the founder and sees that the founder taught us a system of evidence to support the doctrine that we're teaching that basically is irrefutable and undeniable. That's what we need to do. And so, uh, uh, you know, with those things in mind, I just want you to see this, that, you know, this carnal nature that all of us have has been a burden for us, whether, you know, and I think once we come into class, we know that we are, Travailing in pain to shed the very nature that we were born into the world with. And, you know, uh, what we have is a growth process going on, and we are growing in grace and growing in knowledge and understanding. And every time there's a chastisement where you're shown you're wrong and you accept it, you have just had a chunk of that old thinking cast, cast off of you now and you're now shining with this new understanding based on revelation through witnesses that makes you even more glorious in Yahshua. So accepting chastisement is a good thing, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a terrible thing. It's not an, it should, don't look at it that you are too embarrassed to, to, you know, to admit you're wrong. Because really, if you can't admit you're wrong, you're going to have a problem because as we read tonight in our scripture, that when somebody can accept chastisement, they are not sons of Yahweh. They are bastards, is what it says in your Bible. And we know that he chastens every son that he receives. And I can tell you 
that that chastising isn't just once or twice. We get corrected right along, all along the way. But once we've learned to accept correction and we know how to do it, it's just not as tough on us when we have to be corrected. We've been through it before. We understand that it's going to make me a more complete and better person, a better soul or minister for Yahshua the Messiah. And that's what we all want to do. Now, I want to throw out one last thing in a few minutes that are left. I think there's only like three minutes left. Paul talks about over there in Philippians that forgetting those things which are behind, I move forward towards the mark of the prize of the high calling in Yahshua. Now, the mark of the prize of the high calling in Yahshua is not you getting the Holy Spirit. Why is that? When Paul said that, he already had the Holy Spirit. What he was referring to was being perfect in Yahshua, because none of us are perfect yet, even though we're perfect for the state and condition we're in. That's the mark of the prize, the high calling. We want to be perfected. And at the end of the sage, Dr. Kinley said that every one of us are going to have a new, immortal, glorified body, just like his. He said, and he told me when I asked him that question, and he said, you'll never be perfect while you're in the flesh. It's not till you receive that body of perfection that you will be perfect. So at the end of this age, that's when we will have achieved that perfection. Well, we are in Yahshua, in dwelling in him with the same body he has as a member of his body. That's the perfection. Now, we've been translated into the kingdom, and let's not forget that we have the earnest of the spirit. We don't have the full inheritance yet because we have to act. And Paul talks about it, when you're a servant, your job is to do your work. But at the end of the day, there comes a point where you become then, as it were, uh, the full uh, beneficiary of an inheritance. And now you can cease from your job or your work. And, that, and that's what we're waiting for, to go into that state, that Sabbath state where we now are just sitting back and we're learning of Yahweh and Yahshua with no hindrance, nothing, no obstacles in our, in our, in our bodies or uh, no devil to bother us, none of those kind of things, and just grow and grow and grow to such states of, a, of, of knowledge and wisdom. And, and at that point, we will have no recollection of ever being in the physical creation. We will be new creatures with no remembrance of being in this flesh. And so all I can tell you is, if you're willing to endure and hang in here and accept the gospel and the correction that comes with it, you will inherit a reward that you now cannot even begin to imagine. And so when I asked Dr. Kinley, will we be conscious of our existence in the ages yet to come? This is his answer. He said, you're not conscious of it now, and it's not till then that you will be. How about that one? So what I want you to know is be patient, learn to be humble, learn to have faith in Yahshua, to accept his will. And whatever's going on in your life, that's his will. And accept it and let him guide you and let him deliver you in times of trouble. That's where we have faith. Once we lose that faith, and Deb talked about it, anything that's done that is not of faith is a sin. And we're not sinners. We love Yahshua. We believe in his promise. And we're going to put our trust in him right to the very end. I hope you got something out of it. Thank you for the opportunity. I'll turn it back to the moderator. Peace in Yahshua. 
And thank you, Dr. Volpe. That concludes this evening's meeting and we'll conclude with the doxology. And now unto Yahshua, who alone is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time, now and ever. Let the class all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah.